you catch last week's podcast episode? I hope you did. Um, my sweet wife, who's back in the studio with me again this week, uh, joined me last week, and we began a conversation about the ministry of deliverance. And um, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, you'll be helped if you just press pause on this week's and go back and listen to last week's because really we're going to pick up very close to where we left off last time. And so again, Amy's back in the studio with me. How you doing? You're looking pretty. I'm good. Thank you. And I just want to tell the people, we also have a third female that is in our second female, a third <laughs> participant that's here today. Our dog Zoe is in the studio with us. So if you hear whining, it is the Mexican queen, <laughs> Zoe the Chihuahua, who has uh, been known to make her voice heard if she's being neglected. So if you hear some whining, uh, you're not, a, it's not a demon. It, it is our dog. <laughs> so, um, Amy, when we were talking last week about this issue of deliverance, one of the things that I really wanted to do, not really even promoting the movie, I guess I could promote it without a, a hesitation, but when we went and saw the movie come out in Jesus name, which is a movie about deliverance, when the movie itself was over, what did they do that surprised both me and you? Because we thought the movie was over, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was It was amazing. I highly recommend going to see the movie, even if you're just leery of deliverance, because they really take a long time to talk about what deliverance is, what deliverance isn't. Uh, They make it very clear that a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon. Uh, They go through scripture. They talk about uh, their own personal testimonies. They show some deliverances uh, in the movie, but it was more informative than what I thought it was going to be, which I was really pleased with. I thought that maybe it would be a lot of footage of deliverance um, just itself and Although that was part of the movie, most of the movie was giving a biblical explanation as to what deliverance is and why it's needed. So at the end of the movie, though, um, Greg Locke uh, comes uh, forward and asks everyone to stand. And we did. And then we realized that we were live, that it was uh, him live talking to each uh, movie theater. And, you know, I think there was like 500 maybe movie theaters that were playing at that moment. And we all stood and he started, uh, leading us in deliverance prayers. And so all of us, you know, we are just repeating what he is asking us to say. And, Probably within a couple of minutes into this, uh, people are crying. Um, people are at what we call in our circles manifesting. And I was looking around and thankfully people were there that you could tell were looking for that sort of thing to happen. Uh, probably deliverance ministers and even just Christians, because again, we're all commanded to cast out demons. And uh, the movie got a little wild. Yeah, I mean, it was intense. I did not expect, I was pleased, but I'm, of course, we were there with people who we do not know what they felt about deliverance. So we had some friends that were there and all of a sudden, you've got 100% legitimate demonic manifestation in the movie theater and deliverance going on, it was um, it was really really intense. 
it was really intense. Um, but it was also just really exciting. I was just kind of sitting there watching this happen and praying for people, but also just thinking, wow, people are being set free in movie theaters across the nation right now. And just the power of God that there is, there's no, you know, big name pastor laying his hand on these people. He's not even in the room, right? There's just someone on the screen, but because there's power in the name of Jesus, as he begins to call out these demons, they have to obey. Yeah. I mean, people are, are involved in renouncing whatever they might have been the open doors. They're closing doors, renouncing authority of demons, invoking the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus. They're repenting. He's leading them in repentance and he's making Jesus front and center as Lord. And I think, Amy, part of it is in the power of agreement. When, mm-hmm. when we are agreeing together as believers, when I am agreeing with the truth of God's word and I'm holding that, that al- allegiance to God's truth and I'm combating the strongholds of the enemy, which are founded upon deception, lies, accusation, intimidation, and, and that's the, the resisting the devil and he will flee from you. And people were doing that as he is bringing, really, it's an exchange of authority. Those people in the theater were invited to come out from under the demonic authority in those areas of life they may have yielded to and to welcome Christ's authority. And what we were seeing is Christ is overthrowing the demonic realm. And they were going out kicking and screaming in a few instances. Yes, they were. It was really amazing. It was amazing to watch. I thought it was so well done. And as you said, because... It wasn't just, you know, let's call out demons' names and see if anything happens. No, this was a a brokenness and a repentance for doors that have been opened. This was, you know, repentance and uh, an opportunity for salvation if that was needed, which was amazing. And so as people begin to confess their their sin and repent, and again, we're just all doing it together, so there's no highlight on one person. We're all saying, you know, we repent for deception, for pornography, for bitterness, for witchcraft, which had a strong reaction. It did. It had a strong reaction. And I believe that there is a whole lot more witchcraft in our lives than what most Christians recognize. Because when you, or at least I do, when I hear the word witchcraft, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've never been to a seance. I don't play with a Ouija board. There's no cauldron with, you know, tall pointy black hats and crooked noses and a ward on it with green skin. It's not like Wizard of Oz witchcraft. That's exactly right. And so... Uh, witchcraft, well, I mean, I just invite you to ask the Lord, you know, that's part of it as well as asking him, is there anything in my home, my life on my phone, entertainment wise, that is inviting a spirit of witchcraft? I'll also say there was a strong reaction um, when we were pending for a spirit of religion. Religion. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, And people don't realize that Demons typically work in accordance with the culture in which they are 
uh, the person is living. And so when I go to Africa and I see where animism and spiritism and their African culture is wide open to mysticism, spiritism, animism, they believe in spirits. And so the demons are very much more overt over there. It is very obvious and they don't mind because the culture does it in our culture. We have, um, more of a dignified, more of an intellectual, more of a much more, um, controlled religious kind of thing. And the demon, it's, I heard a guy say one time when Satan couldn't destroy the church, he just joined it. And so when we see the spirit of religion and that is just anything to steal glory from Jesus, to put it all on the person. And then we've got pastors and priests and false prophets and false teachers that just cooperate with that spirit of religion, whole systems, Christianized systems, churches are built upon the spirit of religion. And that does such damage. And so, and, but it's subtle, it's beneath the surface. Those demons are working in ways that almost feel like a lot of guilt, a lot of accusation, a lot of fill in the blank. You are not this enough, mm -hmm. a lot of control, a lot of man pleasing. Got to do this for this person. Not good enough, not spiritual enough, not religious enough. God won't love me unless I do these nine things. And demons are laughing because they have you in a form of Christianity that is actually really controlled by various forms of cursing and witchcraft. Absolutely. And we forget that um, demons can actually act proper. Yeah. And they don't, you know, as we know, the enemy doesn't always show up with a pitchfork and an his angel of light. Paul <laughs> called him an angel of light. And so will his messengers be. Yes, that's exactly right. When uh, Paul asked the Galatians who has bewitched you and, you know, anything in church that um, can is an idol, it, there's always demonic activity attached to idols. Anything that in, in our lives, in our churches that we have made so paramount above God, and we can all do this without trying, um, anything that we idolize in the church, there's demonic activity around that idol and that belief system. And so it requires a vigilance of asking the Lord. I regularly ask the Lord, show me where there is demonic activity in my life that I am not aware of. And because it's not always so overt as we think that, you know, if I'm not out watching, you know, R-rated films or I'm not watching, you know, this or listening to uh, music that is horrible. No, it can, it can be right in church. It can be right in something that I'm doing that is actually looks like a good thing, but even in a, in an improper place in my life can invite a, a demonic activity. You know what? I want to, I'm going to take you back about 20 seconds. You casually mentioned some things. I felt the Lord on it as you were saying it. You, you mentioned stuff like R rated movies. You mentioned stuff like inappropriate music. Are you telling me that you think demons can that those are open doors in Christians lives and already movies are typically going to involve foul language that the Bible prohibits the Bible says let no filthy communication come out of your mouth so these are sins that Jesus died for that we're paying money to be entertained for nudity um, sex it may not be quote-unquote pornography in the way that we know pornography, but it'll be sex, it'll be nudity, it'll be taking the Lord's name in vain, and then you, mass violence, grotesque violence, horror movies. Are, are you being serious? You're telling me that you think that that's open doors to demons. I know that's open doors to demons. Absolutely. When 
again, we talked about this in la- the last episode, but when he says he hasn't given a, a spirit of fear, if fear can be a spirit, I can guarantee you there's a spirit behind lust. There is an actual demon behind pornography. There is an actual demon behind the entertainment industry. I mean, Hollywood is filled with demonic symbolism. Uh, they're not even really hiding in it anymore. And again, I tell people sometimes even uh, just watch the words that we have a television. We have entertainment. Um, just ask the Lord to start revealing some of those things. And when Christians are engaging and watching, again, you read the verse in I I believe it was the last episode about our thoughts, our minds. If that is where most of our warfare is and possibly uh, where we battle it out with the enemy, then what we fill our mind with is of utmost importance. And if I am feasting all day uh, watching people who are unmarried casually have sex, I'm listening to filthy language because people will say, well, what, you know, what would you do if Jesus walked in the room? Uh, The Holy Spirit is inside of you. Hello. And the verse that always gets me, and you may have to help me um, remembering and quoting it, but it's basically like, if you, if you go and sleep with a harlot, you have joined Jesus to a harlot. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. And so I'm really aware that if I'm a believer and I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, then what I'm engaging in, I am allowing him to engage in that with me. Yeah, that's 1 Corinthians 6. And so, you know, again, this is where we may lose a lot of viewers, especially young or listeners. This is this may be where we lose. I don't listen. I love you. I don't know who's listening. I don't care if this offends you. Like we're getting down to the end, end minutes of the fourth quarter of this game called life before the son of God comes back. And a lot of Christians are wondering why they don't have victory. And it's because they spend inordinate amounts of time and energy filling their minds with things that represent what Jesus died for, primarily in entertainment. And, and, and so the minds are filled with gratuitous violence, filled with sex, filled with things that stimulate sexual passion. Maybe it's not actual penetration and sex, but it's things that stimulate passion. Um, scantily clad women. You know, some guys are like, I don't look at porn, but they'll watch, you know, bikini models and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, you're literally opening the door. This stuff, all the devil has to do, he wants a foothold. And when he gets a foothold, he turns it into a stronghold. And so when we've got all this compromise in our life, this is opening up doors. It is the seed of sin that will turn into a field of sin in your life. Guys, listen, there's a reason why you can't stop looking at pornography. There's a reason. It's not because you don't know it's or that you are ignorant that it's wrong. You know it's wrong. But there is something that lures a man back to pornography. It's not simply you're just a terrible human being. You're a terrible Christian. No, it's that you opened a door once upon a time. The enemy got a foothold. It's been a stronghold in your life. And until he's evicted in that area, he will continue to dominate you no matter how hard you try not to look at it again. Like I can tell you guys, listen, from age, probably age 10 to 24, pornography was just a part of my life. 
And I am at a place where I can tell you it is gone. I don't even think about it. I keep my guard up. But why? Because Jesus Christ comes in and cleans the house. But if I did not believe in the power of Christ to completely remove a demon out of me for that thing, then I would still be subject to it like a lot of people are. And by the way, it could be anything from pornography. It could be food. It could be tobacco. It could be gossip. It could be insatiable, like um, any kind of habitual, what do they call that word? Like uh, compulsive behaviors, any of that. It's not just people behaving badly. It is literally demonic strongholds. And the last thing a demon wants you to believe is that he is involved. So the enemy gets you into this stronghold situation. And then when you continually fall in these areas of compulsive behaviors, whether it's sexual stuff, food stuff, you know, running your mouth or whatever, then you have that amazing sense of guilt afterwards because what the enemy does is he entices you, then you give in, then he accuses you. So you think it's all about you. And what we've got to do is we've got to get the whole source of the problem out of your life. That means the one who entices you is the same one who accuses you, who's the same one who enslaves you, and you need to get delivered from them. Yeah, that's so good because, you know, people think that they would be so reluctant to be like, oh my goodness, I've done all these things and now I've opened a door to something demonic. No, what what is great about that is that the prop the the condemnation goes to the right person which is the demon correct and so it actually to me it takes it off of me because if i'm a believer and i keep doing something that i actually don't want to do i don't want to do it then who does want to do it and you know a lot of times people will refer um, to demons as squatters and they don't own the home uh, they don't have the title to it, but they live there. Well, if I keep coming home and my house is ransacked and all the food that I cleaned up is back on the floor, you know, that is a representation and it's happening in my house. But I did not do that. Something else did that. So I want to go find who in my house is causing this disruption to happen that I'm affected by. It's happening in my home. It would be a poor reflection if a neighbor walked in. I have a mess in my kitchen. But the demon is the subject of where the condemnation should go to. And so all of us have knowingly or unknowingly invited the enemy in at, at different points. We talked about in the last episode that trauma can also do that. And so it's actually, for me, good news to know I'm not just doing this. There is something enticing me. There's something that's calling my name towards this activity that I know is wrong. That one more Bible study on it is just not providing victory. Hey, can I, can I interrupt for a second? Mm -hmm. You're the one who actually taught me that you're the one who taught me years ago that if the key was more sermons, more Bible studies and more counseling, then why is the church more plagued? Because we've got more exposure to counseling, Bible studies, podcasts. We've got, we've got so much um, biblical content available to us. You would think we would be the most holy, consecrated, God-glorifying, and anointed generation of believers ever, but the church is not. And you make a great point. You can't counsel a demon out. Right. A demon will sit through a counseling session and say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. But I've still got the reins. I've still got the control. Now that person has more information, but they're no more free. They just have a greater awareness of the struggle they're in. Authority in the demonic realm only responds to authority from the divine realm, from God himself. That's right. Well, what is the scripture that talks about that, the strong man? You know, I can't remember um, exactly what it says now, but it's like basically um, in order for a house to come out of somebody else's authority, you know, something stronger has to move in and reclaim that authority. And deliverance is asking, it's, it's kicking out whatever place I've given the enemy to and then inviting God to come in and to be Lord over that specific area and place in my life. Well, you're talking about Matthew 12. You're talking about when Jesus, that's actually the passage where the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is spoken of. And of course, they were, the, the Pharisees were saying about Jesus that he was doing what he was doing, the works he was doing by the power of Beelzebub. And so that's where that, that description, that what Jesus said came out. And he's talk, he said, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. So if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will Satan's kingdom stand? And then Jesus went on to say, uh, and that's the famous, it's probably one of the most important passages about deliverance. He said, how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods Unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. And so the the metaphor there, and of course Jesus also taught that parable, or not the parable, but the lesson, where he's talking about casting out the demon. And then if you don't fill the house, then the demon comes back with seven more friends, so to speak, seven mm-hmm. other spirits. And the second, the second season is worse than the first season. And so I think... It, it touches on another point. This is one of the reasons why I believe that a Christian can have a demon on the inside. And feel free to disagree with me, listeners. That's fine. A lot of great Christians disagree on the prepositions. I'm just telling you what my, my, my place is on this thing. Um, why would Jesus give the lesson that if you cast a demon out of somebody and that house isn't filled by the spirit, that house isn't filled with a power that can keep that demon out, and it, because if they come, if that demon comes back to an empty house, it'll come back worse. Now think about that in terms of Christianity. Why would we cast demons out of unsaved people that don't have Christ? Because what's going to happen is that demon will get cast out of that non-Christian and then come back with seven other demons. It actually makes the thing worse. That's one of the reasons why I believe that that deliverance ministry is for Christians. Yes. Because Jesus is the one who will occupy the house once those demons are cast out and they can't come back with seven other demons. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and so, yes, we, you know, I believe that uh, deliverance is for the believer. And again, I hope that what we've talked about uh, makes you aware it doesn't mean that you're an axe murderer. You know, anyone can be struggling with something um, like bitterness, like um, greed. It can it can take the form of, of a lot of different things. But if you're someone, if you're a lady who comes home every Tuesday and you're like, I cannot believe I just spent my entire salary at the shoe store again. I didn't really want to do that. 
it's at least worth taking a look into that to see if there's something deeper there that's going on. Yeah, the enemy traffics in exploitation. So what you're not hearing Amy and I talk about, we're not saying, oh, everything is a demon's fault. None of it's our fault. What the demon does is a demon exploits something. So if we were abused or abandoned as children, he exploits that. And then he'll continue to exploit it until you are delivered. And so uh, it may be that we had an act of the flesh. We, we looked at pornography and the enemy says, thank you for opening the door, little 10-year-old boy. I'm coming in and I'm going to dominate you. And now that 10-year-old boy is a 25-year-old man, and he wonders why he can't quit looking at porn. This 25-year-old man loves Jesus. This 25-year-old man has accepted Jesus. This 25-year-old man can go 60 days without visiting a pornographic uh, website. But then all of a sudden, boom, the enemy says, I'm hungry, feed me. And that, that desire from out of nowhere leaps up in that individual. So what we're saying is, is not that we aren't responsible for our actions. Here's where, I, because the problem is Christians are in the defensive mode and we're reactive, Amy. Mm -hmm. we, we react against the enemy once the enemy has already advanced his goal 10 yards into our life. We've got to be proactive. Mm -hmm. So I would much rather say to a Mavericks and Misfits listener, get proactive now so you don't have to be reactive later on. Absolutely, because the a, a demon's greatest desire is to remain hidden. That's his actually greatest desire because he knows that we have authority over him. And so if we cast him out, he has to leave under the authority of the name of Jesus. He has to go. And demons, uh, you, I think referred to it in the last episode, are spirits that don't have a house. So they're constantly looking for somewhere to dwell. You know, it's when Jesus cast out uh, the spirits out of Legion and they went into the pigs. You know, they constantly are looking for somewhere to dwell. They need a body. They need a place to live in. And so they're looking for the open door. And I'm assuming that uh, their mindset would be an open door by a believer is a wonderful opportunity. So they're looking for that. They watch our lives. They know where we struggle. We, they know where our propensities are towards sin. And they, as you said, exploit that. And so practically, what do we do? For me, it was, you know, I told you, I, I went to counseling, but it was inviting someone else in, you know, to, to share my story. Where has the enemy been able to get a foothold in my life and why what brought that about and genuinely asking the Lord show me where I have demonic activity in my life where have I invited him in where would I say that I'm not in control in this area that I keep losing control in a certain area those are telltale signs if you are uh, really brave, ask someone around you, ask your spouse, your child, your parents, uh, where do I consistently fail? You know, not the, the one thing I did three years ago, but what's the pit that I keep trying, that I keep falling into, um, despite my best efforts not to. 
ask someone to to peer in and for a, a counselor who is godly and loves you and has wisdom they are an incredible asset in this journey because they can look and see um, sometimes even by our verbiage our body language our story um, where the enemy is specifically attacking us and so I highly recommend uh working through a deliverance process with a deliverance minister, someone that you trust, um, someone who knows what they're doing, someone who has the authority to cast that thing out of you. And the first part is awareness. You know, it's just becoming aware and accepting the fact that I might actually need deliverance. I might need some help in this area. And what does that look like? Well, I think a lot of what you just said is crucial. I'm want, I actually want to end this episode. We're going to do a third episode, guys. <laughs> we, we may do a ninth episode. I don't know. I feel the Lord on this. But uh, to, to conclude the second episode, the, the, the nature of deception is we are deceived about where we are deceived. We don't know where we are deceived. So part of deception is you don't see the area where the enemy is working, but somebody else may see it. And especially if you're proactive and you're entering into deliverance ministry, deliverance counseling, you're, you're receiving that. Their job is to look for where the enemy has moved in, in your peripheral vision or in the obscurity. You can't see how the enemy got in and owned this place. Um, I'll, I'll end very quickly um, on just with a quick testimony. When, when I went through deliverance ministry, um, I realized that some of the wounds that I had incurred in childhood, but especially in ministry, it, that's what brought me to the point. I, I went through such an impossibly heavy and demonic assault in the year 2022 that I almost ran to Safe Harbor Ministry saying, I want in now, I need this junk off of me. And what I didn't realize is that, because I went there for a, hey, fix this thing I've gone through. I don't want, I, what I didn't realize is that was one out of about seven or eight intensely traumatic and painful places in my life where um, I had partnered with the enemy. I had come into agreement, didn't do it knowingly, but I had believed what people had said about me and I had taken what they said and rehearsed it enough in my mind where I literally was living under a false sense of identity. And it wasn't simply Jeff's not smart enough to figure out how to undo the, the snafu on this thing. No, it was such a stronghold. I had to get it broken off of me. I could not have done it on my own. I couldn't have done it without the help of my wife. I could not have done it without the help of Beth and Tim Scott at Safe Harbor Ministries. By the way, if you're interested, you can go to Safe Harbor Ministries. I think it's .net, um, safeharborministries.net. Um, and they're just some incredible people based out of um, Hall County or maybe Barrow County here in Georgia. And if we pique their interest as well, honey, um, maybe we can get the information out on the Transforming Truth website, or maybe we can do it in our next episode. But I know that he is doing some training actually at our church yeah. um, very soon and on strongholds, on um, just demonic activity. He takes his time to go through uh, what is uh, demons, what are demons versus what are strongholds. 
and uh, versus the lies that we believe based on our own wounds and how that can become a stronghold in our life. He really goes through. You're talking about Tim. Tim, Tim Scott. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, through safe harbor uh, counseling and ministry um, really takes his time to, to, to break this down in a much more uh, systematic um, teaching. You know, yeah. he teaches through it. And so if you're curious and would like to, to learn a little bit more, we can get those uh, dates for you. And um, I believe it will be the second Saturday I know that these uh, classes are the second Saturday of each month, and we will find out what month he will begin teaching on this particular subject. I'm pretty sure it's July. I think it's in July he's doing that, and it's going to be hosted. And um, it's Safe Harbor Ministries. It's their institute, and those are being taught at uh, Church at Winder. And, um, yeah, we'll get that information to you guys. So we're going to come back for one final podcast episode on this. Uh, again, as always, if you have questions, comments, you want more information, email us at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll say it again, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Um, I am not involved in the kind of deliverance ministry that we are espousing here. Uh, It takes tons of training, equipping, fasting, praying. It's primarily people that do this effectively. It's all they do. Um, That's why you're not going to get what you think you need from walking down to the altar at the end of a powerful church service, and then you're going to be fine because the great woman of God, a great man of God laid their hands on you. We're talking about something much more in depth, and it is for freedom that Jesus has set us free, according to Galatians 5.1. And of course, Jesus said himself, the one who the Son sets free is free indeed. You need to be free. You need to be free. It's part of your inheritance. It's part of what Jesus died for. And as I close off today, I'm going to say this. In the meantime, if you're considering this, in the meantime, the first thing you can do, close the doors. Close the doors. Close the doors. Stop welcoming the thief in who plunders you. Close the open doors to the things that are inviting enemy activity in your life. Get radical about your consecration. If you're fine with movies and entertainment and television programs that are gratifying or glorifying the very sins that Jesus died to break the power off of your life with, and you're opening the door through the eye gate and the ear gate, music and all that stuff. Listen, I don't care if I sound like some crotchety old fundamentalist. I'm battling for souls now. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing people getting harassed and bullied by the enemy and they keep opening the door and it's time that we shut them. We'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.